Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple-shot K-Cup with my guest, Stephen Liu. So I'd like to flash back really quickly, Stephen, to when you were in college. You went to San Jose State University and you majored in computer engineering. I usually ask my guests if they knew what they wanted to do when they graduated, but I can see again just by looking from your resume that you did because you graduated in December 2013 and you joined Lockheed in January, one month later in 2014, as a systems engineering associate. So you knew what you wanted to do. When did you realize that you were more interested in systems engineering and less interested in the computer engineering? And was that a period of anxiety for you? Yeah, I I got a a funny story to to respond to to your question here. So yes, I did study computer engineering. But even when I was in school, with computer engineering, it's half hardware and half software. I always enjoyed the hardware side more. Like I didn't mind writing software as long as it tied into hardware. So I don't mind writing code to control an RC car, make it move on its own. As you said, I graduated in December of that year, but I actually interviewed with Lockheed in April of that year, so eight months before. But what happened was Lockheed took so long to get back to me for that interview. Before they called me in for an interview, they had my old resume. So when I interviewed in April, they thought I was graduating in June. But I went to the interview and I said, hey, here's my resume. I'm graduating in December, not in June. So whatever slot they had me in as a software engineer in June, I couldn't fill it because I didn't graduate yet. So basically, I got a job offer eight months after I graduated as a software engineer. And then in January, when they tried to put me in a team, figure out where to put me, the week before, the recruiter called me and said, hey, this team you're supposed to be in, they don't have any budget, so you're going to join this team. I had no idea who the old team was. I had no idea who the new team was. So I was like, okay, well, went into work the first day and no idea what I was going to be working on. And you know, met with the manager. The manager never met me before. And on day two, we walked through our res- walked through my resume, and he said, "Yeah, I got enough software engineers already, but Garrett needs a lot of help." And Garrett was the system integration lead in, in the lab, I, in the job I worked in. So he said, "Go follow Garrett around." So that's how I became a, a systems engineer. I didn't mind that first job at all. I really, really enjoyed that first job because it was very hands-on. I got to touch hardware. I got to install software. It was a very hands-on job, especially right out of college. It was really what I was looking for. So 
that's how I started as a systems engineer and, and never looked back. Actually, about two years into the, did that job, I asked my manager, can I change my title to systems engineer because that reflects what I'm doing rather than what a software engineer does. And I'm being compared to other software engineers. So made that title switch. And as I said, really, really enjoyed that first job. I didn't mind switching over to systems anyways because I was more of a hardware person anyways. But yeah, no, that's kind of what happens. You know, Your career takes twists and turns that you don't have control of, but you just got to roll with it. And every opportunity is a learning opportunity. Yes. And in this case, it turned out for the best. It really did. When did you realize that engineering was what you wanted to do? We talk quite a bit in the Espresso Shots episode about the importance of passion and telegraphing that passion to hiring managers, to recruiters, if this is what you really want to do. And that's hard to do if you've been forced to study engineering, maybe by your family or, you know, some kind of pressure. When did you realize, Stephen, that this was something you felt passionately about? Yeah, I would say it's around around high school. I was just thinking, what AP classes do I want to take, right? What class credits do I want to get for college that would help me you know, graduate a lot sooner and get that earlier, earlier knowledge? So at that point, I, you know, I wanted to focus a little more on engineering, right? Other than compared to something like in business or liberal arts. I always wanted to get an engineer because, as I said, my first job was very hands-on. That's what I really enjoyed. So I always had to enjoy that hands-on aspect of engineering. So I ended up taking AP Physics my junior year in college. And before senior year, you kind of apply to colleges. So I applied for engineering. Oh, you, you meant junior year that. in high school. Sorry to interrupt. You said junior year in college. So you, you took physics your junior year, AP Physics your junior year in high school. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And senior, and, you know, I'm applying to colleges and I was thinking, well, you know, I want to do engineering, but what kind of engineering do I want to do? You know, I live in San Francisco Bay Area, basically Silicon Valley. So I said, hey, well, you know, maybe they'll study computer engineering. If I didn't study any coding beforehand, that would have really helped when I took my first coding class in college. But I, I stuck with it and just having that passion of, you know, this is what I want to do. Right. This is what I, this is why I'm studying engineering. I, you know, I like being hands on, like solving problems. I like figuring out how things work. So that really helped motivate me and help encourage me and push me throughout college, especially when the classes got tougher. So something else that existed back when you were in college that you weren't yet motivated to change was your fear of public speaking. On your LinkedIn profile, you describe yourself as shy introvert. And then there's a little right arrow pointing to the words public speaker. So I'm assuming that's signaling the growth. You have transitioned from being a shy introvert to a public speaker. Can you talk a little bit, Stephen, about how and why you made that transition and in fact started a hashtag 52-week challenge to post videos every week on LinkedIn back in 2018. And I believe if this number is current, you've actually created over 140 videos sharing career tips and advice. And in effect, you've been mentoring thousands of people over the last several years. Yeah, excellent, excellent point there. So yes, I started as a, as a shy introvert, you know, came from that engineering background where you're sort of awkward and in conversations, awkward in public, but you're, you know, you're a smart person. You just don't like talking to people. And also coming from an Asian background where you're taught at an early age to, you know, respect elders and be respectful, be quiet, don't speak up. So that just ties all together, just being a shy introvert. And in 2020, actually it started in 2017, I started developing a growth mindset 
and wanted to share my goals with as many people as possible to hold myself accountable to, to achieve them. So I started writing monthly articles on LinkedIn to help me achieve my goals by holding myself accountable and sharing with as many people as possible. So near the end of 2017, I'm still in that growth mindset. And I'm thinking, well, obviously, the next progression is to do something weekly on LinkedIn. But what, what, you know, what can I do weekly? Around the same time, I had a good friend of mine posted the first ever video I've seen on LinkedIn. And it was just him with the cell phone in the park. I, have, I can't remember what he was talking about. So I said, weekly videos. But then what is 52 things I can talk about? Because I'm a planner. What's 52 things I can talk about for my weekly videos? And I decided that, well, I've been to a lot of presentations and seminars and mentors and have mentors. And I've you know, taken notes throughout all these different presentations. So I can possibly come up with 52 things to talk about. So that jump-started my 52-week challenge to create videos every single week on LinkedIn. And in 2018, just pulled one of the list, did a video about it. I will admit the first 25 or 26 were really, really terrible. My first one, I didn't even look at the camera. I kept looking away. My voice was super quiet and, and, and you know, I uh, just kept stuttering. It was just, you know, looking back, it was really bad, but that's the best I could do at that point. And I just powered through, persevered, whatever you want to call it. And every single week, just noticing, because I go through my videos, noticing my tendencies, fixing them, getting more confident, getting better at public speaking, getting more comfortable with it as well. So I went through that whole challenge in 2018, decided to do another 52-week challenge in 2019, where I didn't have a list anymore because I ran out of things to talk about. But I talked about kind of what I was dealing with, what I was going with uh, in my life at that time. I started a new rotation. So I talked about what I do for a new job. I was doing grad school at the same time. So I talked about stress management, time management, how to be efficient with your time. I just came up with whatever things that I was dealing with at, at the time for my videos. And that really helped make those videos a lot more personable and make my stories, what I share, a lot more relatable and, and resonated with the, with the much larger audience. And, you know, as you said, I've been doing weekly videos ever since. I uh, did that all throughout 2020. I started experimenting with different types of videos. I did some cooking videos in the beginning of the year that maybe I should bring back. I uh, did some 10 second tip videos, but I, I think it's way over 140 videos at this point. If you count every single week in, in, in three years, that's about 150. Now I'm doing my new 52 week challenge this year is to do a weekly LinkedIn live stream. So I just did number 10 last week and five guests lined up to be, be guests on my show all the way through September. So I'm just going through that. And, you know, it's a different type of challenge. The wow. You have to be live. You can't just record a bunch of videos in advance and post them. So it's a new challenge every single week, having a new topic, having a new guest and being available to, to do that live stream. I'm just super impressed by everything you've said, especially the fact that you've booked out to September. It's not even the middle of March yet. That is some serious planning. My hat is off to you, Stephen. What advice do you have, Stephen, for other shy introverts who may cringe at the idea of going on camera, even if only on their phone, but want to get over that fear, what would you recommend they do? I would say two things. Don't overthink anything and don't worry about what other people will think. And these two sort of tied together. So especially with video, we're, we're very self-conscious about how we look and how we sound because we normally don't look at ourselves in the mirror and we normally don't record our voices and hear what we sound like. So especially with that first video, you're like, hey, I look a little funny. What's that? What's that mole? Or your voice, you know, my voice sounds off or something. Don't worry about that. Worry about the message. Worry about the words you're trying to say and put that out there. And especially with the, with video, it's, it'll never be perfect. Accept the fact your video will never be perfect, especially the first one. You're going to stutter a bit. You're going to trip over your words, whatever. Just post it. And why I like posting on LinkedIn is because 
It's real people. It's real profiles. No one's hiding behind a fake name or an anonymous name. And you're just going to, and because it's such a professional, it's a professional platform, people are going to be supportive. People are going to be positive. So don't worry about, oh, would anyone watch my video? Would anyone care about my message? Or what are people going to think? Are they going to judge me how I look or how I sound? No, 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 no. Don't, don't worry about that at all. Just put it out there and see what the results are after the fact. So just do it. Don't assume what people are going to say. Don't assume what people are going to think. You don't know that until you actually post it. So that first step is definitely the hardest. I had that first video ready to go and I just couldn't upload it. I sat there for 15 minutes, but I'm glad I did. And I'm glad I actually carried through with my 52 week chunks because I told everyone in that first video, I'm going to do 51 more videos that year. So I'm actually glad I did that and I followed through on it and you know, brought me to where I am today, You know, being on a podcast and, and having a weekly LinkedIn live show. And what other benefits have you gotten out of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and developing really more of a comfort level with public speaking, not thinking twice about doing it live, not thinking twice about coming up with guests for a year, just doing it? What have you seen the changes in the way that you carry yourself at work, at the way you act, the way you act in the office? Yeah, it definitely does. Especially in my job as a project manager, I have to communicate, I have to talk with so many people. And if I just lack that confidence, where it's like, oh, no, I got to go talk to program manager, I got to talk to the director, or I got to talk to the customer, and I'm just nervous, that shows. And as a project manager, you can't really show you lack confidence. If you're not confident in what you're saying, and it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know who will make it on time, or I don't know if you can deliver, it just shows you, you don't have control over your project. So I think with the weekly videos, with the public speaking, it just helps give me it helps give me a lot of self confidence in myself, and just being comfortable in any situation where I have to speak in public, and I'm not speaking on stage to 20 people every time I present, but just speaking to the audience, whoever it is, just knowing that hey, I'm just here to, to share my message and and share my status or or you know share whatever my project is, what's going on in my project, and just having confidence when I speak that that goes a long way, and I've gone through different types of deep dives and audits and things like that and going through these different mock interviews, people told me that, hey, you sound really confident. And I said, hey, I really had no idea what I was talking about. But just having that confidence you know, when I'm speaking and explaining my numbers, explaining our decisions or justifications, you know, that goes a long way to show that you are confident, you're, you know what you're talking about. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.